Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Nope. Yes. Much anticipated uh, writer-director Jordan Peele's third film. So he was in a double act with Keegan-Michael Key. Mm. They were great on TV, comedy partnership. And then he made Get Out, which um, had its laughs, but was a, a horror movie kind of shot through with satire about a kind of black experience among white Americans, mm. as it were. Um, and people absolutely loved it. It was like this zeitgeist film, really caught people's attention. And from then on, immediately, it was, what's he going to do next? And what mm. he did next was Us, which we did on the podcast, mm. which was probably more ambitious. You know, I mean, he had probably a bigger budget to play with for one mm. thing, which helped. Um, I, mean, I, I don't remember... I think we liked it. I, don't, I, I haven't listened back yeah. to that podcast. Um, I think we maybe felt that it didn't quite conceptually hang together as well as Get Out did, but it was still a really interesting film. Mm. Here we've got Nope. So Nope kind of, it goes back to the title of Get Out in terms of it's what a character should be saying when they're faced with a horror in a mm. horror film. Mm. Um, in this case, I mean, this is more of a millennial kind of response. Get Out is run away. And this is, I'm just going to shut my eyes and, mm. nope, I'm not having it. I'm not paying attention to this. Mm. And indeed, that's kind of a bit of a response that we see from characters in this film. But a much more interesting kind of set of responses that we get from the characters is this horrific thing that's happening is an opportunity. There's yes. money to be made here. Actually, that is what I really despised about the film. Yeah? Yeah. Well, let's say very right now, I think spoiler territory will be coming up. It's a film that you, know, you may have seen bits and pieces in the trailers, but it's not really explained in the trailers, and indeed it has surprises and so on. We are going to be talking about all those things right away, I think. I think it's indicative of the corrosiveness and... The kind of immorality uh, in American culture at the moment mm. that, you know, aliens are eating people left and right and all you can think of is about how you're going to make your fortune by going on to Oprah. I, I just thought that was despicable. Well, I think the thing, I think it's, it, it's clearly the project of the film to be talking about that because it's talking about it nonstop. Mm. Um, this kind of turning horrific events and tragedies into money, money into, you know, commodifying them. The film starts off... Well, the th thing is, I think that it's a satirical project. Or, the, or not, not, maybe not satirical, but a, it has a critical eye on that. Except that I don't think it kind of comes... full. So the, the messaging ends up being, they did get away with it. And also, you know, it's the protagonists who are doing that. So it's not as if that is the project, let's say, of the world they live in, but they are, they are the protagonists are critical of it. Or, mm. you know, are combating, or at least looking out so that other people don't get killed. Mm. I mean, here are two protagonists who are, who are clearly a very loving brother and sister pairing. Mm -hmm. You know, they actually don't care about any of the other people getting, you know, eaten up by, you know, this this monster. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, there are, there are times where the engineer could be a threat, you know, the cameraman could be a threat, right? Like, you know, there isn't a discussion saying, you know, this could be a real danger for you. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you might want to make me make money. I mean... I think it's kind of uh, assumed that everyone in this film, everyone in the world that it presents, is is in it to make money somehow. But isn't that what is disgusting and despicable about neoliberal culture, particularly in its American manifestation? Yeah, but I mean, I think that is kind of what the film is very deliberately. I don't think it's an accident that it's saying that, and I don't think it's. I don't think it wishes to be seen to be espousing it. I think it's espousing it, but I do think it kind of is because, like I say. 
although some people do die, for instance, the Stephen Young character, for instance, you know, he dies, and he's the one who I think really cements the theme of I'm making money off this thing because he's sacrificing horses to this alien in front of an audience to mm. make money. Mm. Not only that, but he's also been profiting off this tragedy that happened when he was a child. Mm. He was a child actor, and this monk, a uh, 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 chimp on set, went mad and killed everybody apart from him, and he's been profiting off that ever since. Mm. Um, so he's kind of he's like that scene where. Um, he does the show is kind of I think it's a really linchpin key scene to the whole film understanding this theme mm. um, he you know he buys the farm right he goes so um, you know you think okay well it's it's critical of the kind of person who would do this but then yeah as, as you say these people survive this and they get I, the photos that they're looking for in I, I don't I don't I really don't think it's critical because part of the background story of um, you know the, of that guy is that they had an immense success, but it only lasted a year and a half. And really, you know, kind of that ruined his life and his career. And he's had to kind of make a life the way that ex-celebrities often do by exploiting their past celebrity, mm. right? So, um, I, I mean, to me, the film doesn't even seem critical of that. That's just, you know, the situation the guy has fallen into. He's got a loving wife, yeah. he's got kids, they're trying to make a living. You know, I don't see, if there's a critique, I missed it. Yeah, well, I think in a kind of roundabout way, that's what I'm saying is I think it doesn't go far enough. It sets all this up. Mm. It sets up these very clear connections between tragedy and commerce. Essentially. I mean, the the um, the dad of the brother and sister we see die right at the start of the film. The alien kind of first appears. He's killed with a coin in his head. Mm. You know, that's like that's tragedy and money. <laughs> sure, right in one thing. So it's definitely very knowledgeably um, and deliberately combining these things and building this world in which they. They, they go together, but it doesn't then, yeah, it, I, it, I don't think it either critiques it or really supports it. It just says, this is this world. I, well, I know, but that is my problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of, no, that, think, that, yeah. that is the world and it can't see beyond that world, you know, and, you know, kind of, it sees no problem, no, no kind of lack of ethics in this brother and sister trying to profit. Mm. You know, off of the situation that they find themselves in, even if it might be at the expense of several people losing their life. You know, I think in a film of the 1950s, you know, you have aliens, and the first thing you do is call the authorities, right? You, <laughs> you, you trust in the state, or you call the army, or mm. right, like kind of, you know, so the state is like a safeguard against these things. Now there doesn't even seem to be a, a, even a worry that this thing that they can't explain, they don't know what its powers are, you know kind of, you know, it might destroy the world for all you know. They don't seem to care about that at all. No. No, yeah, yeah I'm mean, saying it. So, I, I think it's... <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, that is what it is. And uh, the film doesn't have a further word to say about it. It's no. just now we follow these characters as they try and make money off it. Yeah, so I, um, I, I think it's a seriously flawed film. But let's move on to other things, because I also felt the actors were very poorly directed. Mm -hmm. You know, so I loved... Uh, uh, that. Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. I love him. But here, I think it's the way he was directed. You know, because he, he he's almost like so dour and surly throughout, but like excessively so. You know, and then even I thought his comic timing was like a bit off. Yeah, that kind of, yeah. Um, so, I mean, he got laughs out of a few things. But it was almost like the, the gap lasted a bit too long yeah mm. um and i thought she who initially seems to bring all this energy kiki palmer yeah kiki palmer 
uh, into the film, it was just too excessive through most of the film, I thought, yeah, the playing. Mm. And I thought that was the director's problem and not the actress. Particularly to have Daniel Kaluuya play such an inexpressive character Mm. is a problem because he's so capable of doing more than he's given to do in this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't agree with you about about the comic timing. I thought I liked those moments, but they are few and far between. There's one moment in particular I think you're thinking of is when he he, he goes to get out his car, and then, and then he goes, "No, nope, not happening." And yeah. he closes, you know, and I like that. I, think I like I, I liked it as well. But, but, it could have been but you, well, I felt they almost lost the laugh, mm. actually. You know, okay, uh, uh, because it took so long, yeah, for that nope to happen. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so, um, so, and, I, and, and the Kiki Palmer, I think, is. I've never, I don't think I've seen her in a performance before. I've seen her on a chat show and I thought mm. she was interested. But um, she's just this kind of real breath of fresh air when she shows up. And as you say, brings all this life and energy and kind of hustle, right? Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's one of the things that starts off this theme of money's to be made because they're supposed to be doing this horse wrangling for some production. And she's going, oh, by the way, I do this, this, mm. this, this and this. And you can hire me for blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, I also thought it was interesting that... Um, the film is about filmmaking and it's about film history. And, you know, it's interesting that Jordan Peele, when his character's backstories are always interwoven with kind of historical backstory of forgotten or eliminated or erased pasts, right? So in here, it's about their great-great-granddad was this black guy who rode the horse that Edward Mybridge filmed mm. that you know, or took sequential photos of that became one of the first motion pictures. He was the first person to be seen in a motion picture mm-hmm. in like that two second reel, right? I don't I mean I don't think that person is known. It, but it's given this backstory here that this is their great great granddad and as they say, ever since films were invented, we've got skin in the game. I think it's interesting that we don't actually know whether that is re- like I think it's possible that that is a hustle too. That's a, it's the dad who set up this um, ranch that they now run, this horse wrangling, you know, sort of Hollywood stunt, blah, blah, blah thing. He's the one who told this story about, this is my granddad. Um, I, I don't know whether we're meant to take that as truth or not. Like, that could easily be another another way to make money. This is who we are. This is why we're connected to film. This is the in- interesting thing about us. Yes. You know? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, it's very unusual to see black people in westerns or riding horses the film has a lot of posters of buck and the preacher you know with uh sydney party and harry belafonte you see it in the background pretty constantly mm-hmm. you know and that was like a very significant film because it was you know it, it had a black uh, uh a cowboy as a hero so it's interesting that the film <laughs> sets it up that way uh you know there's definitely a lot of stuff about filming and getting the shot and you know and technology and so on but actually to me it just didn't cohere i mean maybe i'm missing something i think maybe that particular thing about this great granddad figure um maybe connects to this idea of tragedy being com- being um commodified because it's a lesser tragedy than all of your cast members being eaten by a chimp but still the person who rode the horse in the first film having been forgotten to history is a tragedy of a form, and they commercialise it now. They say, mm-hmm. this is why you should hire us. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just... I really didn't like it. I kind of... Um, <laughs> I didn't... I didn't quite understand... The, I didn't understand... Okay, the danger they were on, yes. 
you have this thing, right, that eats a horse, and therefore they are in danger. What that thing is, what its powers are, you know, so earlier we were talking about the budget of the film and whether it was visible. I thought a lot of it actually was quite tacky, right, like the spherical kind of, you know, uh, uh, UFO that you often see in 1950s films, right, and kind of, you know, seemingly done as cheaply, just a sphere moving in space, right, and so for a lot of time you don't see anything, yeah, uh, you see the effects of it, yeah, you see feet dangling, yeah, uh, from it or something, um, which I suppose is a clever way of filming, except, you know, it didn't scare me, uh, didn't thrill, I didn't understand it, I didn't understand you know, what is this monster doing here? Yeah, why is it here? Um, how does it kill people? What are its mechanisms? So, so actually, I didn't understand what it was doing. So then I also didn't understand why, um, you know, the thing that with David Kaluuya with the... Daniel the, Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya with the banners, mm. you know, I didn't understand why that was uh, 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 a protection against the monster, right? Yeah, well, that was a little bit... They get that um, sort of horse statue, big yes. fake training horse, supposedly, that they steal from Stephen Yun's place. Um, and that's got all of this bunting around it. And, and it swallows the thing, and then the bunting is left dangling. And so you get this thing about, oh, it couldn't swallow it. It's got this shit. It's like having shit stuck in your tooth. I get mm. That's what I felt, you know. Mm. They, and Daniel Kaluuya says something along the lines of, you know, it doesn't like that, or, you know, mm. something like that. Um but then it, it it's not kind of turned into you think like a strategy would emerge from it. Yes. You know? And I guess it kind of does, but not quite. The real strategy that emerges to to combat the thing is about not looking at it. So he realizes that this thing is is like um like a wild animal, like the like the animals that he trains mm. and he's someone who you know, he gets that, right? So it's you you look in its eye if you want its attention. And and if and if you get and if you and if you get this thing's attention, it's going to come and eat you. So don't look at it. The other reason that I think that scene I mentioned with Stephen Yun playing to the audience is a key one is because he refers to the creature as the viewer. And it's the only time we hear it called that. But I think it's a really interesting name to give it mm. because it's the film begins with uh, a shot from, as we will later learn, Stephen Young's perspective as a child, when he's hiding under the table on the set of that sitcom. And what we're seeing is just out from his eyes, we're seeing uh, sort of half a dead body, the other half's hidden behind you know, a, a bit of furniture, and there's uh, an empty uh, load of seating for the audience, because they've all <laughs> scarpered, mm. and the applause sign is flashing, and we see this chimpanzee in this costume walk onto the set, and he's got blood all over him, he's clearly been up to no good, and then he looks at the camera. At that point, we don't know he's looking at a character. He might as well be looking at us, mm. right? And it's a really confrontational way to start the film, mm. you know? I mean, I love shots that that kind of implicate audiences. There's a thing at the end of The Wolf of Wall Street where having gone through all of this kind of debauchery and lying and stealing and all the shit they've done for three hours, you know, your man ends up in prison and prison's just a cakewalk because he's rich or he can just mm. play tennis all day, you mm. know? And then he ends up giving speeches... Uh, talks to people who want to make money in the stock market, mm. and the film ends with this shot going over the audience. That's just going, you know, what? Like it, it's down to us, right? It implicates the audience. Sure. The reason that this pe these people are debauched and everything is because we kind of want to be them. What's your skin in the game? Sort of thing. Sure. So this is having a similar sort of thing right from the start. It's saying you, you. There's an, there's a, there's an audience. There's a viewer uh, um, kind of creator relationship here, 
And that, I think, is kind of what this thing about eye contact with the creature is all about. It's about... The other thing is, the film begins with this with this biblical quote. Did you, did you remember it? No. It's from Nehim or something. I can't remember what it is. But it's along the lines of, I will punish you, and I will cover you with filth, and I will make a spectacle of you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah? And the film, again, the film refers to spectacle more than a couple of times. Sure. About what the people want to see. And so there's something in this film about kind of... Like, this alien, it just... it's It, it, it devours... Whatever it comes into its whatever whatever it sees whatever sees it whatever comes to its mouth I, it's I, it's tough to kind of make head or tail of it right now but there's something along the lines of like the the view of the audience being a threatening thing and in a way it kind of feels like um, and I'm going on a bit but I'm kind of thinking out loud no that's all right I'm kind of I'm enjoying it because <laughs> you know so in a way it kind of feels like something I should hate really because it's the kind of thing I don't like which is which is a filmmaker you know or a creator kind of having a go at people who don't quite deserve it through his work you know sometimes you'll get like M. Night Shyamalan had a thing in one of his films Lady in Water maybe which was um, a critic character and, and this critic was a prick and it's like M. Night Shyamalan going like critics are pricks they don't like my films and there's something here about like the audience expectation on Jordan Peele is so elevated that it's a kind of pressure. But he also sees the audience as something that can devour. There's another line. I really remember this scene with Stephen Young in the middle. There's another line that he says about the alien, says it to that audience, which is something along the lines of, I think it trusts me. If it didn't, I don't think we'd all be here. Which in context means, you know, like this alien likes me, I get on with it, and we can make money off it. You wouldn't be here to help me make mm. it. Yeah, that sort of thing. There wouldn't be an audience for this. But outside of that context, it kind of feels like Jordan Peele speaking about his audience and their expectations and, and the hype and everything that people are looking forward to his next thing, saying, they trust me. If they didn't, I wouldn't be here. But there's also a threat to it. The threat is that they could they could come and devour me and kill me. Well, let me tell you, they're <laughs> going to devour and kill him unless he comes up with something better next time. <laughs> yeah, you know, thank you because... for stopping me. <laughs> 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 because, you know, I thought this film, it lacked coherence, it lacked suspense. I think the things that you're saying are true, I agree with it. Okay. It has something to say about spectacle mm. and the society of spectacle. You know, and an um, you know an American culture that can't see beyond it and can only see money, yeah. But I just don't think it's very coherent. I don't think it's very critical. I think it doesn't really know what it's saying about it. It certainly kind of doesn't make it clear to me. Mm. Um, I think it's almost by the numbers, kind of simple-minded. So obviously, it's involved in this project of underlining and asserting kind of black presence in cinema. You know, the Mo- the Moybridge thing, the Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte references, the reinsertion, you know, in a certain way of kind of black culture in the West. But I think it's very by the numbers. Mm. You know, I think it's, it's stretching. It, it could even have done that more interesting, more interestingly. Uh, you know, it uh, it has a diverse cast, all of those things that, you know, kind of one likes to see in films. But I think, you know, to me, the two lacks here are, you know, that the allegorical elements are not very well worked through. And also, um, 
that the things that you expect of this film, of this type of film, which his other films had, mm. which are which is tension and scares mm. and so on, those were lacking for me. I mean, I wasn't scared at all of anything in this film, and I usually scream at the sight of anything. Do you remember actually being scared in Get Out and Us? I don't remember being scared. They were very atmospheric and they had tension, but I think scares is... That's okay. not what I got from them. Well, you know my memory is not good, so I couldn't say with certainty. No, but, sure. You know, the fact is that I certainly was not scared at this one. Yeah. You know? I just think that's, uh, I think that's not quite the... Of all the objections that you have, I think that one is a little unfair because I just think that's not quite what the film is ever aiming for. Oh, no, I disagree. I mean, the, you know, this is like a kind of a horror film. It's got a monster, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those scenes with... Uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya on the horse, you know, the thing swooping down to eat people. I mean, those are meant to be scary. You know, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're meant to be tense and exciting, and they're not. I think that's also true of the laughs in the film. I think it aims for more than it succeeds in getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And I think it's a little bit bloated. It's a long film for what it, you know. Yeah, it's two it hours, does. ten minutes. Uh, and it could have been. Like 90. Sharp, yeah. Uh, so, so, although I haven't said that, I was never bored. I was always interested in what was going to be happening. You know, it's only in this retrospect thinking, oh, it wasn't what it could have been or what I would have wanted, and all that kind of stuff. You I know? was a bit I'm, bored. I'm, I'm, I'm that audience that he's terrified is going to eat him up and spit him out. You know? like, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's and it's this that's this is when I said like this is the kind of thing I I should have a problem with. It's like because it's it sort of puts the blame if this you know interpretation has kind of you know. Um, substance behind it it puts the blame on the audience for not liking it sort of thing you know you didn't like it it's your fault you know you're 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 this you know like i say ravenous hungry content devouring machine Mm. and and you go no no it is still up to you to make something good (laughs) yes uh well something good is is not what we were offered i mean i think um i really didn't like the monster I mean, I've been reading now that, you know, it's a, it's like people have been praising it to those guys. I didn't like it. And also, I didn't know what it was doing. I didn't know what it was here for. I didn't know what it could do, why it was doing it, or how it was doing it, you know. And it, it, it just looked kind of cheap to me. So, first the saucer, and then the saucer opening up like a balloon, like, you know, the, the bottom of a balloon where people stand on it, and then... You know, that drops off into another square and you get a swirl of, like, wind. When it explodes. So, I kind of... I, I mean, I just I just didn't get it. I, we, were, we were talking just briefly before we started the podcast about um, uh, biblical angels and what they're supposed to... You know, there's this thing that's been going on. Why is that going on? I mean, they're in the Bible, but, like, in the last few years, people have sort of rediscovered what biblical angels are actually supposed to look like if they are... Um, biblically accurate according mm. to their descriptions in the Bible and you know they're not like the angels that you see on the roof of the Sistine Chapel right they're these giant geometric things with eyes all over them and they're floating in space and they look creepy as fuck and this definitely had elements that remember when it opens up and you see the the square kind of constantly folding in on itself thing which is it's sort of mouth mm. um, there's definitely kind of elements that's why it reminded me of it mm. um but as to whether that's just kind of an aesthetic inspiration for what it will go on to look like, or whether there's more to it, it's tough to say. I mean, it, it, there is that biblical quote at the start as well. Maybe there's a combination of influences, but I don't, maybe I just don't have enough 
um, context and kind of background knowledge to to make something out of that. Although it is also interesting that um, when that flying saucer shape does expand and turn into this more complex creature, the the kind of geometric aspect to it is complemented by its overall shape becoming kind of traditional angelic looking. Sure. You know? So it yes. has that too. Yes. And there is maybe there's a sense of that you're supposed to maybe think of it as like there's like a rapture element when you get sucked up by it, especially when there's a mystery to it. And to be know? honest, I didn't even think about it as an angel until you brought it up because, mm. you know, I mean this is a murderous kind of being from outer space in the sky. Why would you even think that it's an angel? Just because it's in the sky? I mean I didn't, it never <laughs> occurred to me. Yeah. You know? So um, I thought the shape was interesting, that it could billow and, you know, look like a cloud and stuff like that. But again, you know, that just was not coherent to me. Mm. Um, I thought the scene with the sitcom at the beginning was interesting because I thought, you know, um, I thought the monkey could be an alien, you see. <laughs> yeah, I thought it could be like Planet of the Apes or something. Because clearly, you know, the monkey had intelligence and... Yeah. Chimpanzee. Oh, sorry, chimpanzee. Excuse-moi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Saying, someone would have emailed us about that. <laughs> chimpanzee. It's a chimp, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I thought there might be, like, a connection made on it being, like, extraterrestrial or mm. something. You know, um, but if there is, that's not pursued. It seems like the chimpanzee, the chimp is just a chimp. I think the chimp is just a chimp. <laughs> but, uh, but I think the connection is, is, uh, is this thematic one yeah. about the tragedy that then money's made out of right um, um, except that you know when they show you that sitcom they show you how despicable and false and it it's is. a crap sitcom it's a really crap one and ha 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 you know so badly acted and all of that I mean you don't see anything in relation to you know the monster that's like that except except the guy from the press trying to get the footage yeah Mm. And seemingly only caring about getting the footage and like completely. Yeah, that's actually the weakest part of the film for me when he shows up because that's that's the most obviously looking for laughs as well. Mm. Where he, he he's from TMZ and that is a laugh when she mm. realises he's from TMZ. I, mm. I laughed a lot. I thought it was a great line. But then you know he gets injured and he's about to get eaten. You know all this and they know how dangerous the situation is and he seems not quite to have clocked it because he's constantly saying, "Why aren't you filming this? Why aren't you taking a photo? Mm. Don't don't help me. Take a photo of me." And you're thinking that is too far over the like mm. that is too implausible um, unbelievable I mean you know someone is just knocked back there's a monster and the guy doesn't want to run his first concern is the photo I mean it's, it, yeah that uh, is too silly you know and um, didn't and, and that didn't really work the, the audience laughed at the TMZ bit and didn't laugh at the other bits which are definitely meant as laugh lines mm. I thought it was interesting and this is again something that I find <laughs> easy to be critical of because um the film has this sort of battle between the analog and the digital. Mm, yes, um, so when the alien too. flies overhead, uh, electronics are uh, shut off. There's like an EMP field, whatever it might be. Electronics don't work. Your phones go, your cameras go, all this. So they're trying to film it with various cameras and they all die. And they realise that um, this filmmaker, who is the guy who happened to be making the thing they were shooting at the start when the horse kicked off, um, he films on film. And he can on IMAX. Film. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he's that filming on like, a hand cranked IMAX camera. Yeah, really. <laughs> that he built himself. Wankers. I know. Um, but uh, so, but he, he you know he takes a little bit convincing, but then he shows up because he says this is you know the impossible. We can film the impossible. He's this kind of uh, uh, he films kind of nature documentary footage. We see him editing it on a I can't remember the name of that film editing deck. Um, Steenbeck. Steenbeck. Thank you. 
So he's editing on that. So like it's very clear this guy is analog, um, and that's the reason that they'll be able to use him because the cameras that he uses. No, but there was also something about the footage he was looking at that connected to the monster because what you see is things like tigers and so on just disappearing, being eaten by something. Everything's been eaten by something else yeah, and the yeah. footage that he's looking at is yeah. vicious. And it's, so so yeah. you see, I mean, again, this indicates, and it's black and white early footage, so this indicates that this monster has been around forever mm. or for a long time anyway. I mean, it could be the key to something. None of that is explored in the film and certainly not of the social or planetary dangers, right? Like, Oh, I didn't think it spoke about the, the monster being... Um, Having been around for a long time, I just I thought it meant I thought it, it referred more or kind of linked more to the idea of of well nature kind of warring upon itself or yeah. well no I mean I I thought it connected to the monster because you know these tigers and so on were disappearing in the same way right? were they yeah the, the, I thought they were fighting each other they were animals fighting each other well I thought it was animals kind of disappearing maybe I we'll have to look at it again I I yeah. genuinely don't remember very well. I thought well, it was I did I didn't notice anything that said monster to me about it. Well, I thought they were whooshed okay. up like, uh, you know, like the horse. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, well, that's so, interesting, if so. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I could be wrong. But anyway, that was, that was my thinking on that, that there was a connection between that, you know, and... and you might uh, be right. You yeah. might be right. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Whether I'm right or wrong about that particular instance, there are... The, the film is begging for a connection to larger concerns... And it feels really narrowly selfish to me, or its conception of what being critical is, or even what a society of the spectacle is, or any of that feels like kind of overly narrowly conceptualized. Um, it can't break away from its neoliberal mindset. <laughs> well, let me just finish the thing about this analog versus digital thing, because what it comes to is essentially analog kind of wins the day. It's what's able to capture the footage. It, ultimately, the image that they finally are able to make is done by an analog camera that's in this well that shoots upwards that you're supposed to like, you know, take a photo of yourself winking it into this well at this um, uh, amusement sort mm. of experience. Um, and it takes these large format photos that shoot out, right? For, for like a penny, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Again, like, like shooting hand-cranked IMAX footage. But that's what wins the day, right? The analogue thing. And I'm going like, yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's you know, analogue analog wins, except that your film is absolutely built out of CGI, mm. right? Like this kind of distrust or dismissiveness of the digital that it has. It's like the film is not the same. Without CGI. The chimp at the start, the second shot of the film where the chimp walks in is CGI because you haven't trained a chimp to do that. It's very obviously CGI. Yeah, yeah. Obviously everything that the, that the, 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 um, the alien creature is doing is CGI. I think it's ridiculous. I, to me, I mean, there was all, you know, there were so many problems with the film. So she spends all that time and energy cranking that thing to get the photos. And at the end, she leaves the photos there. Right? So all the people are arriving. My first thing... Pick up the photos. Is pick up the photos, well, right? I think she will that's, pick up the photos. That's where your fortune is, right? <laughs> so, but no, you know, she kind of moves away from the photos to something she sees. There's no reason why she can't have grabbed the photos <laughs> and moved to something at the same time. I know. Yeah, I, I mean, did sort of think it's that. It's absurd. But I also think she hasn't moved very far. She will go back and pick up the photos. She's just seen her brother survive. Well, you know, there's a whole army of people coming in. I know, but she know. also hasn't seen them either. She's seen her brother. You're making excuses. It was, that was an illogical kind of, you know, badly thought through moment. <laughs> And the other, the other thing that really pissed me off, because I think it has other resonances, is, of course, 
you know, the sister looks, smiles. We don't know what she's smiling at, but we do know, really. It's her brother, right? Well, we see him. Later. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, you you see her looking, she smiles, and then you see this cloud, and then, right, you right. know, you go back to her, and then you see it's him, okay. which really is too much, right? Um, and then I also thought, you know, that had like a brother-sister connotations, again, in black culture. It's not just literally a brother and a sister, but it's, yeah, kind of... As in, like, the slang term, my brother, my sister. Yeah, people. it's basically, like, black people, right? Um, and I just kind of... Which I don't have a problem with, but it, what I did have a problem with is not um, incorporating in that celebratory moment, you know, I mean, what happened to the Hispanic guy, right? You know, kind of not not a comment on the Chinese guy or, the, you know, or Japanese or... Stephen Yun is Korean, I think. Or Korean. He was in Minari, which is about Korean family. Oh, yes. He, yes, he was lovely yeah. in that. He's just been devoured. His whole family has been devoured. Like, mm. you know, it's like it doesn't matter, really. You know, so kind of brother and sister like <laughs> on the horse and, you know, on Oprah afterwards. And what about everybody else? Well, the Hispanic you fella know? did survive. We saw him get up. I know, but we saw him wrapped up in... Barbed wire. Uh, barbed wire. I mean, yeah. not even I thought, might he need an ambulance? Right? Like, <laughs> no, fuck him. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 But the film, does, I mean, I mean, the film does cut to black, sort of. I mean, you're saying, like, she leaves the photos. It's like, in the, in the sort of 10 seconds after cutting to black, I reckon she went and picked him up. You know, well, it's just it's just the film ending with brother and sister, and he's alive still. It, and the problem is, it doesn't have the emotional payoff that I think it wants to. Well, I, I actually I'm beginning to wonder if uh, the director, uh, you know, what kind of an understanding of 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 people, uh, and also of of audiences he has, you know, because I think a better director would have worked through audience expectations better. Mm. Yeah, kind of, because, I mean, there are things, I think, here that anybody he, who's human would have reservations about, you know, really. I mean, I think, you know, to not care about, you know, what our main protagonists in the film, yeah, you know, the Hispanic guys, like, mm. you know, he goes to help them, he sets up all their equipment, he's there with them, you know, in this night of terror. I mean, really, he, does, he doesn't deserve some inclusion or sympathy <laughs> or, mm. like, I, I thought that was emotionally off, mm. you know. Uh, also, I thought the way that the the cinematographer was conceived was conceptualized as like, you know, this kind of stoner dude, you know, special was just like such a cliche, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I really disliked that. Uh, who's the actor again? Um, Stephen. Uh, Stephen Young. That he wasn't given more sympathy. I mean, you know, the guy's been swallowed up. His whole family's been swallowed up. You see his three kids. Mm. I mean, and like, bye. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I just thought that was all emotionally off. Well, the thing is, if the film was going for a critical messaging of, you know, commercialization sort of culture, then he is the character who would deserve no sympathy because he is the kind of kid. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that because he is the victim of it. He's not just someone who's trying to exploit it. His whole life has been, he is the victim of that society of spectacle. You know, it's a miracle. Oh, that that he, this is the only way he can now make money is to exploit it. Well, I mean, into it. 
I mean, I think basically you're given all this background story about how he was a child actor mm -hmm. and he witnessed this incredibly traumatic experience where his co-star basically killed everyone around him and ate bits of them, <laughs> right? You know, mm -hmm. so, and that was like his hit show. And since then, you know, he's basically doing the celebrity circuit of making money through selling himself as, you know, so many celebrity husbands do. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I actually... I personally don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, the only thing wrong that you find later is that he's feeding horses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, of all the things that, you know, could be terrible in, you know, Trumpian America, <laughs> that is not the worst, you know. <laughs> so, so that he's... So someone who is the victim of that and who's living within the bounds of that... I mean, it, also, if you wanted to kill him off, then why introduce his wife and his children? Yeah, like, I just thought I just thought it kind of it's an emotionally stunted film. And his um, former co-star, who you know, is in a wheelchair and he's got a veil over, and we see glimpses of her eaten up face yes. by the chimp. And I don't really, it's I, I mean, I don't that understand meant to be played, why that's there. Yeah, is that meant to be played for laughs or? Yeah, I don't get it. Um, um, I, I, I thought it might have been played for laughs, and then you think, no, no, it's not really. No. You know, but the way that the veil lifts up and you see, like, you know, the half-eaten face. Yeah. It, well, it's played for a certain kind of horror in that respect. You get you see this horrifically disfigured face, but... I Yeah. I, I, I couldn't decide whether to laugh, you know. <laughs> I wasn't sure where, where that was going. Uh, there's, um, there's something in the film around myth-making, I think. Um I think it's interesting that the film is set in... It's, it's kind of a Western, right? Mm. Um, not in the classic sense, but this is ranches, California, the West, yeah. the West, all this kind of stuff. I mean, basically, the alien, I was thinking constantly throughout, looks like a cowboy hat. I thought, you know, uh -huh. from underneath... Like, it looked like a wide-brimmed, you know... It has an, an element of that. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, we're focusing on two black people in the Wild West, making money in the Wild West and so on. It's like, there's something about, I don't know, there's something about the outsider in, in the West. Because it's interesting that, you know, there's kind of one of the stories of the Wild West, which is not the story that is mostly told by um, American uh, kind, of, kind, of, kind of, well, myth-making and storytelling about it, is the idea of the white people being the aliens to this land and taking it and invading and taking it over, right? And also, um, you know, kind of, there's no indigenous people Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's just we it's and, just um, weirdly conceptualized really. But there's also this thing And then the sorry, the, you know, the figure of the cowboy who really kills the Indian is the white balloon cowboy. Yeah. The white balloon cowboy kills the invader in the end and yeah. Yeah, saves the day. I I I mean But but in a way, you know, it's 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 a sort of it's full of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe that's another I metaphor. I think we're really stretching for significance <laughs> you know, here. But, but the other yeah. elements of the myth-making, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, it's interesting. The other the thing that really uh, struck me is this thing about the shoe that stands up. Yes. Um, which we see a couple of times, because it's in that uh, uh, chimpanzee killing everybody scene. Um, one of the shoes of the dead person, I think it's the mother, it must be, uh, who we see lying on the ground, the shoe is on its own, it's just stood up on its tip. And there's something that Daniel Kaluuya, I think, says at one point about bad miracles... It's like it has this feeling of this this miraculous thing, but it's also we only see that from Stephen Young's perspective, the child Stephen Young character. Mm. So is that something as he remembers it? You know, because what he also remembers then 
is he remembers the chimpanzee noticing him under the table, approaching him and going for this fist bump. He says, you know, we had this we had this fist bump on TV that was the first exploding fist bump, which mm. is a, a funny joke. I laughed, but you know, again, is that is that another form of his remembering it wrong or remembering it in a different way and making a myth out of it? I, I don't know, but you you then have the shoe in his office, yeah, which he stood up on its end, yeah, yeah, and which he normally only lets people see for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, he says, yeah, money people. I normally charge for this, which again is you know. Mm. Anyway, so I kind of, I really, I found it very unsatisfying. The last thing is, and this has been on. <laughs> I love this. Is um, it's something that is harder and harder for films to kind of cope with these days because CGI has got better and more accessible to people is um, there's this thing about getting the image of the alien and be able to charge money for it and we've got this alien it will make us a fortune and so on and what they do is they get this um, they get this footage of the cloud because they set up these security cameras and what's realised actually by the uh, Hispanic fella Angel uh, I, I was surprised at no point he corrected them and said Angel but maybe his name is Angel well maybe that's <laughs> what it's called yes um uh, the footage he notices this cloud hasn't moved everything else is moving and if you kind of you know time I can't remember the phrase um, time lapse thank you if you time lapse this footage you notice right all the other clouds moving not this one and then Daniel Kaluuya says something like well that's not enough right that's not enough to convince people and I was thinking like it doesn't matter what you get this photo that she ends up getting which you see the alien eating the balloon that's not going to be enough no. because because what they don't say is you can do anything with CGI. Anyone can invent this. And and the reason that we know that is because we're watching the film where it's been done. Done in CGI, exactly. <laughs> but they, they, they can't bring that up because it would sort of, I don't know, would it like call all that attention to the artifice of it and take you out of what you're supposed to be believing about it? But it is just the fact that no one will ever believe this. I think this is where I think it's just not a very intelligent film, mm. right? So I think, you know, the whole racial thing is by numbers... The whole society of the spectacle thing is also like not not thought through in a sophisticated manner, um, and then kind of this last thing is also uh, um, a problem. Um, I've lost my mind. What was the last thing <laughs> about the fact that anyone can do anything with CGI? Oh, of course, yeah. So you know this thing about because it does set up that thing about CGI and analog and it sets up you know the thing about electricity and being without electricity and being dependent on electricity yeah so that's not thought through kind of in a complex manner either Mm. because as you say you know the contradiction is that it it sees photography as some kind of uh truth yeah truth yeah proof Mm. evidence right and yet, kind of, it is, you know, everything that we're seeing is being faked, right? So, I mean, the film could have used that as a plot yeah. element, but it needed to be thought through in a more complex manner. Well, it just has thing. to ignore it, that's the thing. As far as the film is concerned, yeah, ph- photography is, is, is truth, is documentary. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing about Edward Mybridge's photographs is they were about proving that a horse, when it gallops, has all four feet off the ground, mm. or four hooves off the mm. ground. You know, that was kind of the thing it was designed to, to, to prove in, in the beginning. It's about truth. And, um, and the, uh, the, the filmmaker who they bring in, who films on the hand-cranked IMAX camera, is documentarian. Mm. And in fact, it's, it, it's interesting, he, when they try to sell it to him, Kiki Palmer's character says reality. reality, and he goes, not interested. And she goes, documentary, and he goes, ah. 
<laughs> you know, it's like reality is boring, but 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 reality as captured on film in documentary is, is again. I just think like a really banal <laughs> kind of you know yeah. perspective on these things, and I do think that that is a problem with the film. Yeah, it's it's a film with many problems. I I I still kind of enjoyed it being in the moment. I I thought it looked pretty, and I liked how it looked. And it's you know, I, it it uses all this kind of large format looking, sort of shallow focus, kind of out of focus background. And there's something about there's something about the way that Danny Kaluuya's face always looks in those shots that's just captivating, magnetic. Even well, when he's playing a character who's not very interesting. I mean, I think you know, I don't like um, <laughs> I don't like the character that he's playing, the way that it's conceptualized. And actually, I don't like the way that he's directed to play it. Nonetheless, he's a star. You can't keep your eyes off him. And he's the most interesting thing about the film still. Mm. And um, uh, and I liked, I liked all the you know, sort of location photography. I liked it. So I'm going to take that away with me. I liked it more on an IMAX screen, which we saw it on, well, digital IMAX, um, than I would have on a boring screen. So there's that. You know, I think it, it it's a film that has an eye for an image. I think he's a director who has an eye for an image and an eye for something striking visually, um, and that has not been lost in this. I don't think it adds up to enough. I think it, you know, overall, the film is a failure, um, and it's Thank certainly you. his least. <laughs> well, no, it is, and it's certainly his least interesting. Although there's a conversation to be had about it, but the conversation one. is all about why it's not good enough. I think it's a problem because for me, like the great directors are people who have a complex understanding of, of humans and of society, mm. you know, uh, and who can reveal them in interesting and striking, you know, kind of ways. Mm. Yeah. Um, this doesn't strike me as the work of someone who's got a complex understanding of the world we live in. Mm. And he seems to have very little empathy for people. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's kind of uh, doesn't bode well. There's one more little thing that I liked, which was um, <laughs> it's a very little thing, but it's it's again it goes back to you know old time filmmaking stuff, which is when I think it's maybe the second kind of encounter with the alien. Um, Daniel Kaluuya's hiding in that barn, and the horse is running around outside, and the uh -huh. camera's panning round to follow it, and there's all these slats, so yes. there's like these vertical gaps between. Yes, I like that. Um, but that is. And we, I mean, we track the horse beyond them, right? And mm. it has the the look of the zoetrope, you know, which again yes, is early yes, 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 yes. early motion picture kind yes, of. Yes, that's very clever of you. Yes, and now that you mention it, of course it does, and I'm sure it was very deliberate. And the fact that it's a horse galloping, which again is the first thing that was filmed. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm that's sure that it's was, all built in reference. I'm sure that was very deliberate. It's just there for the people who like film history. <laughs> uh, uh, but, I, I, but I noticed that and I, I thought it was cute I liked yes it. good uh, alright well thank you very much for listening we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on Apple Podcasts Audible Google Podcasts Spotify SoundCloud and YouTube on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdrop movies and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com thank you very much for listening bye bye <laughs>